Well, if you have your Bible with you, uh, go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Familiar passage, especially at Christmas. Um, We're going to read verses 1 through 14 this morning. Actually, we're going to be spending our time in verses 8 through 14. uh, But for context's sake, let's go ahead and read uh, the first 14 verses. And if you're able, I would just invite you, if you're able to, to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Something certainly worth standing for. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14 says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Verse 8, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord." And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You may be seated. This time I've asked my wife if she'll lead us in a song.
It's a beautiful song, and the song begins and ends with a a cry, if you will, a, a prayer. The world waits for a miracle. The heart longs for a little bit of hope. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Because Emmanuel, which means God with us, is the hope that the world needs. As Pastor Henry pointed out last week, Jesus, Emmanuel, is our hope. Christmas is the celebration that Emmanuel, God with us, has come. He is with us. The celebration of the birth of Christ should be a time of joyful praise because God is with us. Our hearts, well, they should be bursting with hope of the reality that God entered our world. But if we're honest, we have to admit that joy, peace, hope, and love are not always words that describe our experience of Christmas. For some, Christmas time, Charlie alluded to it earlier, for some, Christmas time is a time of great pain. For those who have maybe no close family or friends to celebrate with, or for those who have lost loved ones, this time of year often places a huge magnifying glass on an emptiness that they feel every day. And then for others, just, just the trappings of all that the, you know, the holidays uh, have become, you know, from Black Friday shopping to interior and exterior decorations. I can't keep up with my neighbors. If you've been to my house, you you understand why I said that. To Christmas cards, Christmas photos, Christmas letters, Christmas celebrations and parties, parties at home, at school, at the office, with, with extended family and friends. And how about just the gifts, like the long list of all the people that you got to buy for. Some you're excited and others you're just like, it's an obligation. For many, Christmas leaves them exhausted, financially drained, and to be frank, quite peopled out. You can't wait for January. See, sadly, in the midst of all that Christmas has become, it's easy to lose sight of the good news of great joy that the angel proclaimed on the first Christmas. 
And the reality is that that good news of great joy is still good news. No matter where you are, no matter what you've been through, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, God with us, is still good news of great joy. How many of you have ever bought or made a gift for someone that you just could not wait to give them? Ever done that? You're just like, it's like the perfect gift. A lot of people didn't raise their hands. <laughs> you guys need to work on your gift giving. I'm just saying. But that's like totally me with every gift. Like if I get a gift for somebody, I cannot wait to give it to them, if it, especially if it's for my wife or my kids. Like, it, if it comes in early, it's just like Christmas is December 10th. I mean, it's just like, it's, there's no way that I could possibly wait to give it to them because I know that they are going to be so blessed. I can't wait to see the look on their face when I give it to them. Well, when I read this passage in Luke chapter 2, that's exactly how I'm picturing the angels in this story. They have a message. They have a message to bring to these shepherds into the world that they can't wait to deliver. If anyone, if anyone at that time understood the significance of the baby in the manger that night, it was the angels, right? Have you ever, have you ever thought about the baby in the manger from the perspective of the angels. I hadn't. I just, I don't know why. I mean, I've been a Christian for a long time. I've read this story a million times. And for some reason, I've never tried to look at the baby in the manger through the perspective of the angels. But think about it for a second. The angels, they knew Jesus before he was born as a baby in Bethlehem. Think about that. You didn't, right? They did. Jesus, the Son of God who has always existed, Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, Jesus, the one who created the heavens and the earth, Jesus became a human baby. And they knew him before he became a human baby. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, for by him, talking about Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. That would include the angels, right? The angels who were sent to these shepherds were created by Jesus and they were created for Jesus. So think about it. These angels had known Jesus ever since they were created. They've known Jesus. They were created by him and for him. For thousands of years, they have served God as messengers to, uh, to, to mankind. They've witnessed the fall of mankind in the garden. They've seen the struggles of mankind and, and the faithful ones. And they've seen the people who are faithless. They've watched Israel come and go from their relationship with God. They've witnessed it all. 
And now they are being sent to Bethlehem to announce the good news of great joy. If anyone understood the significance of the baby in the manger that night, it was the angels who were sent to these shepherds. Because for the angels, it wasn't just a baby in a manger. It was God in a manger. Can you even begin to imagine what that looked like to them? The one that they had worshipped is now wrapped inside tiny fingers and toes. It must have been just like mind blown. Do you think they might have been a little eager to share this message with mankind? This is good news. It's the best news. Let's take a closer look beginning in verse 8. Verse 8 says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. I've always loved the fact that God chose shepherds as the ones to receive the good news that night. One of the greatest truths that we discover in Scripture is that the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart, according to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Verse 7. It's just not how we do things, is it? God looks at the heart. God chose shepherds, one of the most despised classes in Israel at that time, to be the ones who would receive an angelic announcement of the birth of Christ. He didn't choose the priests. He didn't choose the Pharisees. He didn't choose the Sadducees or the scribes. God chose shepherds. Why? Because their hearts we're ready to respond to the truth. We know that if you read the rest of the story because we know how they responded, which we're not going to get to today, but you can finish reading it this week. God looks at the heart. Something else that I found interesting, and you might as well, is that a lot of biblical scholars believe that the sheep that these shepherds were keeping watch over were likely temple sheep. They were set apart for sacrifice. And the reason for they, they think that is because Bethlehem was so close to Jerusalem. It's about six miles south of Jerusalem. And, uh, and the fields outside of Bethlehem are just like prime grazing land uh, for, for sheep. And so at that time, the shepherds actually worked in the fields around Bethlehem year round, uh, taking care of the sheep. And so it is fascinating to think about the fact that the good shepherd, Jesus, his birth was announced to actual shepherds who were caring for sheep that might soon be sacrificed at the temple. And of course, the temple sacrifice of sheep was a Jewish practice that was meant to point to what? The ultimate sacrifice that Jesus would make as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's fascinating. And so the shepherds, they're out there, they're watching over their sheep. And in verse 9, we're told that an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great 
fear, you think, right? The shepherds, are, they're just doing what the shepherds always do. They're watching over the flock. They're taking shifts. Maybe one takes a nap while the others are awake watching, and then they rotate. They're trying to keep the, the sheep you know, safe from danger through the night. And then everything, everything changes, right, in, in a moment. The first angel arrives, and these shepherds are frightened. The Greek translation of this verse actually says that the shepherds feared a great fear. They feared a great fear. They were terrified, and rightly so. Because not only were they face-to-face with an angel, and angels are beings which, you know, you read the scriptures, you see it. Every time they appear to someone, what is the first thing the angel says? Fear not. Why do they say fear not? Because they're terrifying, right? It just makes sense. But not only are they visited by angels, and I think we read this sometimes, we say, yeah, they were terrified because they were visited by an angel. But I think far more imposing to them than the angel's appearance was something way, 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 way bigger here. Angels appeared to other people in the scriptures, and that's scary. But we're told here that the glory of the Lord was shining around them. God's, in the Old Testament, is referred to as his Shekinah glory. God allows the glory of his majesty to shine in their presence. The same brilliant light that that Moses saw, right? God allows that to be seen, that light to see, uh, for, for them to see that. They're surrounded with God's holiness, an external manifestation of the purity of his very being. And they are overwhelmed and they are overcome with fear. Their response reminds me of Isaiah's response in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah is given a vision of the Lord, Isaiah cried out, he said, Woe to me, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. If Isaiah the prophet felt that way in a vision of the Lord, how do you think these shepherds would have felt in the presence of the glory of the Lord and an angel standing face to face? Unbelievable. But in verse 10, we're told... That the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Again, remember, the angels understand the significance. I think sometimes, I was telling Pastor Henry this week, I think sometimes we read this and we're like, Fear not, for behold, I bring you. And we get this idea that they spoke in like an old English type. Listen, I don't know what it was like. I have no idea. I wasn't there. I would have been way more terrified. But I can tell you that there was passion. They were excited to deliver this news. This is incredible news that they've got. 
They are messengers of God. God has been waiting for this day, right? And if this brings God glory, that's the whole purpose of an angel, right? To glorify God. They're excited to announce what's happening here. This is big news. Now, if you've been in church or around church people for any length of time, I am sure you have probably heard someone talk about sharing the gospel. Have you heard that term before? Sharing the gospel? It simply means sharing the good news. A lot of you know that. Gospel means good news. It's the good news about Jesus. Gospel, good news. So what the angel is really saying to the shepherds here is, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid because I am bringing you the gospel of great joy. You don't need to be scared. In fact, if there's ever a time in your life when you don't need to be scared, it's right now. I'm bringing you the gospel of great joy. And it is for, check this, all the people. All the people. God's salvation would be for the Jewish people, yes, but it would also be for the Gentiles. It's good news for everyone. Jesus came as the Savior of the world. John 3, 16, you know this one, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, talking about Jesus, John writes, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. So the first thing that we discover about this good news, this gospel that the angel brings, is that God's gift of salvation is made available through Jesus to everyone. That's good news. Definitely good news for all of us, right? Most of us probably fall into that category of Gentiles. Second thing we discover about the good news, however, is that it's also personal. Verse 11, for unto you, unto you. It's good news of great joy for all the people, but verse 11 says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. So while it's true that God's gift of salvation is made available through Jesus to everyone, it must be received personally. John chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, John says that he, Jesus, came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive them, uh, him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So the good news, while available for everyone, it must be received personally. You have to receive it. The angel continues and he says, For unto you is born this day. Unto you is born this day. In the Old Testament book of Isaiah, the prophet wrote these words. He said, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. 
and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, you know that Isaiah is writing about the future Messiah here, right? And he's saying that the Messiah will be born, the Messiah will be given, and the Messiah will be mighty God. Wow. That's incredible. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. What an incredible concept to try to get our heads around, right? The creator of the universe, the one who is eternal. Okay, you get this? God is eternal, would also be born. The eternal being is going to be born. God, wrapped in flesh, entered our world as a tiny human baby. Does that blow your mind? And the angel tells the shepherds that He's been born this day, this day. The angel is, is, is looking at these shepherds. He says, unto you is born this day, today. The good news is being presented to them this day. And I think it's safe to say that there is an expectation that they will receive this gift without delay, right? You notice, I, by the way, if you read this text, you're never going to see the angel say, and so now what you need to do is you need to go. He never commands them to go. Just tells them the good news, and they respond. They go. Here's a question for you. Is today, today, December 8th, 2019, is today the day that God might be calling some of you to personally receive the gift of his son. If so, don't delay. Don't delay. Don't let this day pass without responding to his invitation. Paul, one of the New Testament writers, wrote these words in 2 Corinthians. He said, behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Don't delay. In Psalm 95, we read these words, verses 7 and 8 of Psalm 95. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The birth of Jesus is, is good news of great joy. It's for all the people. But each person must respond individually. Well, the angel continues. He says, for unto you is born this day in the city of of David. Not only, not only did the Old Testament prophecies predict that the Messiah would come from the lineage of King David, but in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, there's another prophecy that identifies the exact location where the Messiah would be born. Micah 5, 2 says, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. Then watch this. Whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. So many hints all through the Old Testament, right? 
that, that, that the Messiah would be God. God's glory and God's sovereign control over all things is on full display in the birth of Christ. He's orchestrated all of the events. Every single detail surrounding the birth of the Messiah has been carried out with precision. He'd be born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, born in the lineage of King David. What an incredible, incredible announcement that this angel is giving to these shepherds. And we haven't even reached the crescendo, right? Here it comes. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior. By the way, just a side note. Jesus is only referred to as Savior twice in the first four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Once here in Luke from the angel's mouth and then once in the Gospel of John. But ever since the fall of man, when Adam and Eve sinned against God in the Garden of Eden, what's man's greatest need? A Savior. What the angel is announcing is that the wait is over. The wait is over. The Savior that you've needed for all these thousands of years is here today. Your Savior has come. Emmanuel, God with us. But who is this Savior? I mean, if he stopped there, I mean, it's good news. It is. <laughs> but the mind-blowing fact is that this Savior is very specific. Who is he? The angel says that he is Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. Now, the word that the angel uses for Christ here is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word for Messiah. So, the Savior that's come is the Messiah. This is the one that, that, that we've written about in Isaiah and in all the prophecies in Micah and all the Old Testament. This is that one. He is your Messiah, the anointed one. Now hold on to your seat because the angel continues. He says, God sent a savior, which you needed, who is the Messiah that was, that was predicted. And then he says, he is the Lord. And the word that's used here for Lord is the same word that Luke has used, get this, 16 times in chapter 1. 16 times in chapter 1 and two times in chapter 2, verse 9, when he's talking about the glory of the Lord shining around them. And all of those references in those chapter 1 and the first two in chapter 2 all refer to the God of the Old Testament, Yahweh. So what is, what is the angel saying here? The angel has been sent to announce that a Savior has been born, and the Savior is the long-awaited Messiah who is actually God wrapped in human flesh. This is unbelievable. God the Son, the one that the angels have known in worship for thousands of years, has stepped into the world he created and wrapped himself in the flesh of a newborn baby. 
And that is what we celebrate at Christmas. I got to confess, I think we lose sight of that, don't we? Like, if we could just strip her away, if we could tear down all the decorations, isn't it enough to celebrate the fact that God clothed himself in the skin of a baby? Like, isn't that enough? That's what Christmas is all about. Amen? Verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So the angel tells the shepherds. Again, he doesn't tell them to go, but he, he tells them what they should look for. And I think it's safe to say that while there may have been other newborn babies in Bethlehem, I'd say the odds are pretty good that the only one of those babies that we found lying in a manger was Jesus, which in and of itself is just mind-blowing, right? That the Son of God wrapped in flesh would be lying in a feeding trough made for animals. You know, from Jesus' birth to his death, he was the perfect model of humility. If the story stopped here, if the story stopped here, the shepherds have already witnessed far more than they could have ever hoped for or imagined. I mean, right? I mean, this is like, is it not like the pinnacle? Like who else ever got to be... They're in the presence of an angel and the Shekinah glory of the Lord shining around them and they've got the best news that's ever been delivered to, hum, uh, to mankind, right? This is unbelievable at this point. Show's over, right? But it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Verse 13 says, And then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. I can't can't imagine. (laughs) It's a good thing the angels already told them to fear not, you know, because can you imagine if they came in reverse order? (laughs) As soon as the first angel's announcement is finished, as if on cue, the heavenly chorus appears, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, a number that is too great to even count. And together they are praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased. If anyone understood the significance of the baby in the manger that night, it was the angels who were sent to these shepherds. I want you to notice something really, really important here. The response of the angelic multitude, their response is what? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. That's their response. It is a response of praise to what the first angel has just revealed to the shepherds. 
The first angel reveals truth to the shepherds and the angelic multitude respond in praise to God. Their chorus of praise is a response to what's been revealed. I've heard it said that worship is our rightful response to the revelation of God. Worship is our rightful response to the revelation of God. And whether that is singing a song, serving a neighbor, praising God through prayer, or just dying daily to ourselves and walking step by step in obedience with Him. Our worship is our rightful response to the revelation of God. As God reveals Himself to us through His Word, through His creation, through His messengers, through the Holy Spirit, our rightful response is to worship Him. Worship is our rightful response to the revelation of God. The announcement by the first angel to the shepherds caused the angels, the angelic multitude, to respond in worship. And they said, glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. This response of the angels is referred to as the Gloria in Excelsis Deo. Somebody should write a Christmas song <laughs> called that. It's Latin. It's Latin for glory to God in the highest. <laughs> Clever. Now, whether they sang it, shouted it, spoke it, Wrapped it? I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. But one thing is for sure. Their words tell us that the good news that's been declared about the birth of the Messiah, God, has an impact in both heaven and on earth. What's taken place in Bethlehem, the birth of Jesus, brings glory to God in the highest, in the highest heavens. And on earth, it brings peace among those with whom God is pleased. Next week, we're going to take a closer look at how the birth of Christ brings peace among those with whom God is pleased. We're going to focus in on that second half of their... Of their chorus. But for now, let me just close uh, with this as I'll invite the worship team to come back up uh, to lead us in a final song. Christmas, Christmas is the celebration of Emmanuel. Amen? God with us. It's a celebration of the fact that Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, came to our world, wrapped himself in, in human flesh as a tiny, helpless little baby. He grew up. He lived a perfect life. He died in our, in our place to, to, to pay the penalty for our sins. And he rose victoriously from the grave, defeating death. Christmas is a celebration of the birth 
of our Savior. The birth of the one who made it possible for us to have a relationship with God the Father. That's why it brings so much glory to God. He created us to be in relationship with Him. Everything was ruined in the garden. And through Jesus, everything was able to be restored. The truth of Christmas is absolutely good news of great joy. So how should we respond to that revelation? How should we respond? I believe that like the angels, we should respond in worship. If you're here and you know, you've already received the gift of his son, man, we should glorify God with everything we have. Everything you have, all your time, all your treasure, all your talents, every part of your day should be, a, 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 I want to honor and glorify God for what he's done for me. That is our rightful response to what he's done. And for those who have never received the gift of his son, then the greatest response you could have today is to ask Jesus to come into your life. It's the reason he came. It's available to everyone, but you need to receive it personally. Ask him to come into your life, to be your savior, to be your Lord. And if you have questions about how to do that, you want someone to, to, to walk you through a prayer, then come and talk to, to me after the service. We're going to sing a song together and then come up and talk with me or talk to somebody else here. There is no greater joy to be experienced at Christmas than to receive the gift for which he came to bring you back into relationship with God. That would be the greatest Christmas ever.